I am very, very honored to be here. I love your pastor. First of all, can you give it up for the worship team and then your pastor and Lisa? And don't think that uh, Josh pastors this church by himself. Um, I know Lisa, and I know how awesome Lisa is, and every guy has got a great woman that makes him better. And for me, being married for 37 years, I'm incredibly grateful for... How many know that God gives you a spouse that's patient? Uh, dude, you newly married people right back there? Yeah, you'll learn that. You will learn that. My wife is incredibly patient with me. Um, and by the way, Crystal wave so y'all can say hi to Crystal. That's my better half. But we're going to talk, and I, this is going to resonate with some of you immediately the second I say this. We're going to talk about a message just simply called defeating fear. And the second I said defeating fear, some of you have been in, that have been in, you're suffering with fear. You're struggling with fear. Your fear, how many know you can have faith when you have fear? Oh, listen, you have confidence in that which God says he can do, that he can't do it. So we have faith in fear as much as we can have faith in faith. Amen? So there are times in life where fear, and we're going to talk about this in just a second out of the book of Nehemiah. So in fact, if you could, um, I remember when I first got saved and someone said a book like, go to Nehemiah, and I literally would fake it like I got there. Go to the contents at the beginning of the Bible if you don't know where Nehemiah is and take a minute and find Nehemiah chapter two. And we're going to take a second. I have one goal this morning and really one goal only is that we would walk away from here knowing that fear doesn't have control over me. I have control over fear. And Nehemiah is going to show something. See, I think there's this epidemic in the body of Christ that we've received a spirit of fear. That we've received it in our lives. We want to, how many have ever got dreamed? How many have got dreams and visions of doing something great for God? Raise your hand. Or maybe you're single and you want a great spouse. Or maybe you're in debt and you want to get out of debt. And fear is a cancer. Fear is the thing that keeps us often from doing that which we know deep down inside that God's calling us to do. So I want to lay down a foundational scripture, and if y'all could put it up there, it's 2 Timothy 1.7 in the Amplified. And if I get too loud, let me know because I'm loud. And guys, do me a favor, gals back there, 20 minutes, that's it, and then time me, let me know that it's done. 2 Timothy 1.7, if you came to my house and you would come in my closet, I have a prayer closet where, yeah, my clothes are in there and Crystal's clothes are in there, but along the walls of my closet are scripture verses and things I'm praying for and things I'm believing for. In fact, if you gave me a million dollars and said you could never go back in your prayer closet again, I would not take money. I would take the prayer closet over money and things every day of the week because it's the place that I go to on a daily basis. Josh and I started praying almost four years ago. And when we were Winner's Church and the original building at Winner's Church, and we stopped praying together, but God stirred in me to begin to pray on my own. Because how many know we know to pray, but how many know to pray is harder than to know that we're supposed to pray? And God began to give me these scripture verses. I want you to hear something. Be your greatest cheerleader. Speak over yourself the word of God. Because often people will not. Often we don't have an environment like this when we go out there. People don't speak life over us. You need to learn to speak life over yourself and speak and find what Scripture says about you 
and begin to speak that and confess that and believe that and live that because faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. So 2 Timothy 1.7 in the Amplify, and if it's up there, it says that God hasn't given us a spirit of cowardice or timidity or fear. Isn't that cool? God has not given that. That's not ours. That's not mine. I'm to reject that. But what he's given us is a spirit of love and power and sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. That's one of the coolest verses in the Bible. I always thought, God, I got to take karate or something to learn discipline. But you know what God says? I have discipline. I don't know if you're undisciplined. I'm undisciplined. I don't like to do this regimented thing. But how many know discipline leads to power? Discipline leads to walking in authority. Discipline. And you know what? He gave me that. He gave me a spirit of love. Can I say something, man? You guys are in the midst of one of the greatest locations in the city of Sacramento right here. This is a strategic move of God as I pray for you guys and I talk to Josh, I go, man, God moved you here. I don't know about you, but I hate moving. We're church planters. We've pastored for the last seven years. God pulled us out of pastoring at the end of the year. I'm now a domestic evangelist. I work with FCA also and I work full time. And then another school came to me and said, hey man, would you consider being our golf coach? My life is crazy busy, but I love every second of it. Because when we go out there, how many know we live out there? We don't live in here. It's easy to come here and go, oh, man, God, you're great. Oh, man, God, you're awesome. But when we go out there, we need the discipline of the Lord. We need sound judgment of the Lord. We need calmness of the Lord. We need to know that, man, I have not been given a spirit of fear. How many have ever got a Christmas present? Raise your hand. Come on. Keep your hands up. How many knew it was a cool Christmas present? How many know that you don't take authority of it and you do take ownership of it until you open it up? We need to open up the second part. He has given us a spirit of power and love and sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. What that means is this, that God can be through the Holy Spirit in control of everything that you do in your life. There's not a situation on this planet that you can go through that you gotta freak out, wig out, go nuts, go crazy, uh, um, um, how, how, many, how many came out of, 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 of being, how many were cussers? How many were really good cussers? I was a really good sinner. I'm like, dude, if I'm going to go for, go for it, I'm going to be really good. And I partied, I drank, I cussed, I did stuff like crazy. But then when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, how many know the moment you give your life to Jesus Christ, your direction changes of where you end up, but you got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is the leader of all your actions. And as your mind goes, so do you. So if you're a person that walks in self-control and power and sound judgment and personal discipline and abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind, you know that your mind, because we've been given the mind of Jesus Christ. That's so cool to me that I've been given literally the mind of Jesus. How many know he suffered persecution all the time, mocked, ridiculed, lied to, all of the stuff? He lived in the world all the time, but he came to seek and to save the lost. And he had the perspective of the father because his mind was stayed on the father. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, as your mind goes, so goes you. 
And your mind is literally the leader of all your actions. So I want you to do something for me before I get going. Receive the second part. Receive. I would even say it inside me. Every morning, this is what I confess every morning, that I have been given a spirit of power. I've been given a spirit of love. I've been, I got a sound mind. God, thank you very much. I did drugs and stuff when I got, before I got saved. And I literally thought that that was going to mess me up for eternity because I messed my mind up. I don't know if you can relate. And I thought, man, that's just the way that it is. I'm going to be goofy for a while. But then I began to read the word of God and what the word of God says about me. And you know what, God, I don't have to fear. And you know what, God, I have self-discipline. And you know what, God, I have self-control. And you know what, God, in craziness, you know what the world needs right now? We're crazy right now, by the way. Our world is crazy because our world is seeking everything but Jesus Christ. And in this, we as believers in Jesus Christ, you know what we need to do? <sighs> Chill. And be calm. And when God gives you opportunity to speak the love of Jesus Christ, we do not have to agree with the way that this world lives, but we have to love this world. I may not agree with lifestyles. I promise you, man, I love being around the lost. I love, I love being around the lost because I get to love them the way that Jesus Christ loves with them. I don't have to agree with them. Why did Jesus say to the woman that was caught in adultery, when the world wanted to stone her, what did Jesus say? Hey, you were without sin. Drop the first stone. He literally gave them permission to murder her. And Jesus said, hey, by the way, where's all your accusers? And hey, by the way, I'm going to drop my stone too. Hey, go and sin no more. That's the heart that we need to have for the lost. That's the heart that providence needs to have in our city, in our community, in our workplace. I'm not the judge. But I will love people like Jesus Christ loves them, even though I do not agree with them. We're around the lost all the time. We don't need fear. Can I say something? Say to yourself, man, I reject fear in the name of Jesus. See, we get so scared trying to be like Jesus Christ to people because we're afraid they're going to reject us. They're not going to reject you. They're rejecting God. You're planting seeds in them. Trust in the seed. Not even on my, no, I'm like, trust in the seed. Trust in being that man, that woman in your neighborhood, etc. to just love like Jesus does. There's two things that we take with us in every battle we face. There's two things that we face in life situations that we encounter. And there's two things that we face every time we've got a dream to do something great for God, and that's faith and fear. They literally go hand in hand. I believe that fear looks for nooks and crannies like crazy to infiltrate us. But I also believe that faith it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And the more you confess what the word says, the more you believe what the word says. The more, how many are really good at believing for everybody else and you have a really hard time to believe for you? Dude, I am the epitome of that guy. I'm a pastor, man. I'm like, I speak life over people all the time. I often, honest, have a really hard time of speaking life over myself. We live in our mistakes, we live in our past, we live in our, uh, um, 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 um. if you're like me, you got a lot of things in your life that you go, dude, I'm a mess. And yet God doesn't look at us that way. Start speaking faith over yourself and what the word of God says. And that's what Nehemiah is going to teach us here in just a second. Faith and fear go hand in hand together and one is trying to rise to the surface above another. I, um, well, I have a grandson named Cruz. And Cruz and I take Cruz out on dates. He's uh, just over two. His other grandfather's six foot five. I'm like six foot one. 
cruising a moose. This kid is huge. So our deal is I take him once or twice a month, and we go to how many love Chick-fil-A? Booyah Chick-fil-A. I've tried to go on Sundays so many times. Oh, man, they're closed. So I take Cruz to Chick-fil-A. We go in the playground. He does in plays. I watch him. He's just a monster in there. And then we go to PetSmart, and then we go to um, um, Dick's Sporting Goods. That isn't for him. That's for me. And I hang out with Cruz the whole time. And when you go into PetSmart, I don't know about you, but you ever seen the mice in the cage and the hamsters and stuff and the mice, and they're really cool looking in the cage? How many know they're not cool in your garage? Oh, man, about a year and a half ago, we have an infiltration of mice. And I wish mice, plural, was meese. Because, man, we had a mouse and a mouse and a mouse. Fifteen mice infiltrated our garage. And it started out probably with two, but we couldn't find them. And then I put out traps. And finally, 15 mice. I remember chucking them in the trash. I hate you. Putting them in. I hate you. I love them in PetSmart. But I don't like them in my garage. And I go, man, that's what fear does. Fear finds the nooks in the, how they get in my garage. There's no gaps in my garage, but there were, there were gaps like this. And they can just sh literally shrink their body. Well, that's what fear can do. It shrinks itself, making it look like, yeah, it's not that bad, dude. Fear ain't that bad, man. Doubting's not that bad. Not believing's not that bad, but really, man, it's a giant. And fear will look for the nooks and the crannies like the mice look for the nooks and the crannies in our garage. And how many know the trap that you set to catch the mice is the same trap that you use to catch fear? It's the word of God. And when you set the trap of the word of God, it's not the same trap. You don't set the word of God for mice. They don't obey the word of God. They obey traps. You just set them traps. How many know peanut butter does really good? If you got mice in your garage, just set a little peanut butter on the trap, man. They go to it like crazy. Well, the word of God is like peanut butter to fear. Because the second you set it out and you set the word out against fear, how many know that fear does one thing and it does it really, really well? It wants to make it look bigger than it really is. And it shrinks God in your viewpoint, and it makes fear and doubt and unbelief look bigger. So Nehemiah. Let me write down a statement, and I did not put this up, and I don't know if you're note-takers, but I want you to write something down, and I'll go really fast from here on out. Great preparation, and I'll say it a couple times, before declaration defeats opposition so you can see completion. And I'm going to say it again because we're going to get this. Great preparation before declaration defeats opposition so that you can see completion. You know why often we don't see that which we know that God has called us to do is because we don't take the time that Nehemiah took in Nehemiah chapter one when God called him to rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. And the walls and the gates of Jerusalem were a direct reflection of the God's people in their relationship with Jesus Christ. It was torn down. It was a mess. And God needed a guy. God needs a providence. God needs a Providence Church to come into a community to rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates of this city so that people would see Jesus Christ. So Nehemiah, great preparation before declaration defeats opposition so you can see completion. Nehemiah took, real quick before I read these, these verses in chapter 2, Nehemiah took six to nine months to pray and to fast and to weep and to get God's mind and to get God's heart and to get God's plan to rebuild the walls before he ever declared what God had called him to do. Great preparation 
takes time literally to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ and just sometimes be still and know that he's God. I think this is the hardest thing to do right now as believers in Jesus Christ is just to slow down and let God talk to you. Sometimes we're so scared of God talking to us for fear of what he's going to say to us, but what we've forgotten is that all God's going to do is love you. He corrects, he chastises, he rebukes those he what? He loves. If you're hearing correction right now, if you're hearing chastisement right now, if you're hearing you need to change this and grow in that, that's because God loves you because he wants you to be more like him. Can I get an amen? That's why God does it. In the preparation stage of Nehemiah to rebuild the walls, how many know he rebuilt the walls in 52 days? Not possible. He could not do that today and today. There's too many permits and stuff today. He couldn't do it today. But Nehemiah did something in, 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 the, in the supernatural. It's not possible in the natural. It's not possible. But great preparation before declaration. Listen, God's put dreams and stuff on your heart. I believe God's called providence to make a difference in this city and to do something great in this city and to see people get saved in this city and to see, see the lost. It does, how many know lost is lost, man? There's no tears with God. There's not one worse than another. We're all sinners saved by grace. We're lost without Jesus Christ. So it, I feel like weird. I'm sitting down. I didn't even know it. We, we are lost. We need Jesus Christ. Great preparation. I'm going to say something to you as a congregation. Some of you for a long period of time have rationalized your way out of serving in this church and in your community because of fear. I'm not good enough. You don't know my past. You don't know how messed up I am. Can I, can I say something? Who does Jesus use? He uses messed up. It gives me so much hope, dude, like I'm the messed up of messed up. I should not be a preacher. I remember in 1981, I'm not saved and I'm a golf pro and I walk down to the golf shop. We opened up the shop every day and hearing a preacher on the, on the, on the radio my, me, I'm mocking God. He would go, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. And I would begin to mock God, laugh at God, going, God, you're not real. You're not real. You're dead. The B-I-B-L-E, what's the B-I-B-L-E? And yet that's the very person who came and saved my life was Jesus Christ. And it totally changed me. You're a mess. And that's a good place to be. Can I get an amen? That's where God can use you and change you. Can I encourage you with something? Find a way to just serve. Man, I am a deacon in our church at Harvest Church in Elk Grove, and they needed a nursery director. You know how God speaks to you sometimes? And you're like, oh, God, please don't let that be you. And it, I want you to be the nursery director. And I'm like, what? I'm a guy. I played football. I don't want to be a nursery director. Well, God sometimes will use the very things like that to teach you to be humble, to teach you how awesome he is so that he can take you from where you are to where he is, amen? So I just serve. Just find a place to serve. Find a place to give. You know what's cool about this church? I love this church. There's not a lot of setting up and tearing down with the chairs and stuff, man. That's like, dude, we sat up and tear down for years. This is a really cool place to be. Can I, you got a cool pastor who loves Jesus. No, I'm being serious. 
not paying me to sing. You got a really cool pastor. But don't let fear stop you. Get involved. Come to Josh and Lisa and go, dude, I want to help. And think about how much you want to help. Great preparation before declaration defeats opposition. The moment that Nehemiah declared to the king, who was the very king two years ago, who said, we're not going to rebuild the walls. Now, think how gutsy this is. But it was in his preparation before the declaration. The moment you say you're going to begin to do something great for God, opposition is going to come. Sanbai and Tobalat began to badmouth and ridicule and laugh at and scorn. But if your preparation is great, opposition looked like this. Because God's called us to finish it. God's called us to complete it. Great preparation before declaration defeats opposition so you can see completion. Real quick, go to Nehemiah. How much time do I have? Two minutes. Good, I got time. All right, Nehemiah 2, chapter 2. Now let's listen to verses 1 to 5. They're up there. It came to pass in the month of Nisan in the 20th year of the king of King Artaxerxes. Could you imagine learning how to spell that in kindergarten? Art, oh, anyway. When, when wine was before him, now remember, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He literally tasted the wine and the stuff before the king did. So if it was bad and Nehemiah died, at least the king didn't die. So that was his job. He was a servant. And he said that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I've never been sad in the presence, his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. I want to stop here real quick. Remember and go back to the six to nine months of prayer, fasting, weeping before God. He literally got God's mind. And he got God's heart and he got God's plan and he got God's courage. Listen, it's one thing to have God's plan. It's another thing to have God's courage and determination to finish out the plan because that which God has called you to do takes time. You learn more through the delays than you do the deliverance of it. Trust me, you learn way more. Listen, your church is, man, your church is barely out of diapers. You're five years old. You're learning new vocabulary. You know what your church is going to look like in 10 years and 20 years if Jesus should tarry? And if you should go, dude, we're coming alongside this church. We're coming alongside this vision. And we're going to see God do something great in our community. And we're going to change our community for Jesus Christ. It takes time. You learn more through the delay than you do the deliverance of it. Because you're going to learn how awesome God really is when you hold on to the coattails of God, not him holding on to yours. So Nehemiah, six to nine months of prayer, fasting, weeping, getting God's mind. And watch what happened. Like I said, man, fear is like mice. It's going to try to find every nook and cranny of your life and infiltrate you. That's why we put on the armor of God every day. Because we need to go out there clothed in God, not clothed in us. See, if you hear from me this morning, if you hear from the worship team and it's them that's worshiping and me that's free, you don't need to hear from me. There's nothing good in me, man. It's only Jesus Christ. You need to walk out of here going, dude, God spoke something to me. That's my prayer in preaching. You walk out of here with one thing and you apply that to your life and you go, man, I don't know who the dude was that spoke, but I do know that I met with Jesus Christ. Watch what Nehemiah, watch what happened to him in, in, in verse, just before the end of verse 2, or verse, yeah, at the end of verse 2. So I became dreadfully afraid. 
How could it be that six to nine months, man, you're with God, you got God's muscles, you got God's plan, you got God's determination, and fear still tries to come along to stop the move of God. Fear and faith try to just hang out together. When you are in the presence of God, and you begin to get God's heart and God's mind, listen to me, this is the cool thing about Jesus. There is nobody out there that can't get changed by the presence of God. Nobody. I don't care how far gone they are. Who has people in their life right now that you go, man, there's no way but outside of a miracle of God that they get saved? We all do. And Nehemiah got radically changed in this six to nine months where he went in one man and he came out another man. What? Fear is no respecter of persons. Fear doesn't care how much faith you got or don't have. Fear is going to try to penetrate the cracks and the crevices like mice try to penetrate the cracks and crevices of our garage. And if fear can find a nook and cranny, now watch what happened. The second that thought came into his mind and he was terrified, it could have gone and he gave in to fear and the walls never got rebuilt. But it goes on to say this, and said to the king, and he said to the king, oh man, you know what, never mind. But that's not what he said because of his preparation, because of his being in the presence of God. He said this, if it pleases the king, he literally, we need to cast down thoughts that are contrary to the word of God and take them captive and make them obedient to the word of God. The second fear came into his mind, he cast it down and said, no, and I don't know how long it took, but it was in a split second of time. You have no authority over me. You have no place in my life. You can't speak to me. Faith is speaking to me. God is speaking to me, not fear and trembling and unbelief. And he said this, I ask that you send me to Judah. Now listen, the plan that God put in his heart six to nine months ago is what's come out of his, uh, coming out of his mouth because of preparation. Great preparation before you declare it is the key to seeing that which you declare come to pass and completed. When you get in the presence of God and you go, God, what is it that you want me to do? I don't know if any of you, how many have a perfect spouse? Whoops. I'm asking you, how many of you have a perfect spouse, babe? Yeah, none. Great preparation before declaration. It's so easy to say, I can't. It's so easy to say divorce. It's so easy to say separation. It's so easy to give up. It's so easy to quit. But you learn more through delay and more about yourself and more importantly, more about God when you take the time to just stop and go, God, I don't care how long it takes. You got me. You change me. You mold me. You guide me. You direct me. Because what God sees in you is bigger than you ever thought about yourself. So he gets this terrified. I'm terrified. And he casts it down literally immediately. And look at verse 6. Then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him. Now remember, this is the king that said no to rebuilding the walls two years ago. How many know that God can change the hearts of sinners through the heart of a righteous person, man or woman, who's seeking God? How long will your journey be? Backpack. And I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Sorry. Back to verse 4. The king said to me, what do you request? And I apologize. So here's the key. Circle this. 
And we're almost done. So I prayed to the God of heaven. So I prayed to the God of heaven. So I prayed to the God of heaven. We beat fear by praying to the God of heaven. We beat prayer. We beat fear by praying to the God of heaven, allowing the prayer. Do you know what prayer is? You know how cool it is? I've known Crystal for 40 years now. And I remember the first time that I met her, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. I still think that. But man, I got to know Crystal. It took time to get to know Crystal. It takes time. Prayer is literally sitting down and having conversation with God. Don't put a time frame on it. You'll change. It'll become more and more of a priority in your life as you pray and as you seek the Lord. I'm praying on my own with nobody helping me, nobody motivating me. I could not have never have believed four years later that I would be that guy because I've always wanted to be a man of prayer because I know the foundation for every great move of God is prayer because that's where preparation comes.